This is a music therapy podcast interview with Chelsea Mabes. Uncomfortable moments are gonna happen and conflict is gonna happen. But sometimes it's necessary because yes, we're afraid of it. Yes, we're uncomfortable with it, but it's also a huge opportunity to learn and to grow and to grow from that and just, you know, I think that we can surprise ourselves with how how well we can keep ourselves composed and calm and sensitive and caring when when conflict arises. I think that we can surprise ourselves. So I had told you that my phrase is to be comfortable being brave. And it's not easy, it's easier said than done. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like the music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. And you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you're doing so well today and having a great week. I'm really grateful to have you here with us on the show. Thank you for choosing to spend your time over on the Music Therapy Chronicles and listening to what I have to say, what the guests have to say, and I know your time's really val- valuable. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for being here. Uh, this is part one of my conversation with Chelsea. We dive into the Medicaid waiver, um, things that she's kind of learned along the way and some tips and tricks that she has for people who are maybe new to that world or navigating it, figuring it out. And all of that was sparked by her having conversations with people in her personal and professional life, letting them know she was coming on the show. And they were like, hey, we really would benefit from having this information and know that more people would benefit from hearing what you have to say. So I really appreciate that she took the time to kind of like do that research before coming on the show. Not that it was necessary, but it's great to know um, for me as a host that the guest is taking the time to do that, to really be efficient with being on the show and, and sharing what people want to learn. So thanks to Chelsea for doing that. And I hope that you, the listener, learn a lot today. Next week, I will release part two of our conversation where we dive into trauma-informed care, its implication, um, lots of tangible advice, and you know, just lots of good conversation overall. 
So I hope you enjoy part one of this conversation with Chelsea. But one more thing really quickly in case you missed um, the announcement last week or didn't see on social media or in your email, that's our best-selling pod course, Personal Development is Professional Development, is back up for sale. I revamped it and we have a second edition. The pod course is now available for eight CMTE credits and we will be holding an all-new office hour in July. So if you purchase the pod course um, in the next week, you'll get it on sale. And if you purchase it in the next couple weeks, you'll be able to join us for the office hour, which I am really excited for. I hope to connect with you more there. And I... Hope you enjoy this pod course as much as I enjoyed making it. It's full of resources and tips and self-care type content. And yeah, it's definitely one of our best sellers for a reason. So check out the link in the show notes if you want to get the pod course. Good morning, Chelsea. Welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Good morning. How are you doing on this early morning on a weekend? I'm good. Um, you've got your tea and I've got my coffee and my Hufflepuff cup. Yes. <laughs> are you a Hufflepuff? 110%. <laughs> this is, this is going to go great. We're going to have yes, a, a good time together. <laughs> of course. Yes. I um, What is Pottermore, right, was the website when it first mm-hmm. came out. Of course, I like took the quiz. I was a Hufflepuff. Everything is good. And then maybe a year ago, my partner and I decided to take it again just for, um, you know, just for laughs. He he has recently gotten gotten into Harry Potter, and I kept getting Gryffindor, and I was like, no, 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 <laughs> like, it's wrong. <laughs> I just vibe so well with everything Hufflepuff and the Honey Badger. agreed yeah cool so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself too it can be music therapy related or not oh wow uh well not music therapy related my name is Chelsea my pronouns are she her and uh my favorite color is pink I love pink anything pink I love Harry Potter um I love cats I love video games and I love golfing. (laughs) So pretty interesting conglomeration of things that I enjoy. Um, Music therapy wise, I, uh, you know, I went to Ohio University and uh, then I did the online program for St. Mary at the Woods. Very great. Um, Highly recommend both. Uh, I started practicing as an independent contractor in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a couple of years, and I'm now employed at Opportunities for Positive Growth, also in Indiana, And um, which is interesting because my internship was in uh, a state mental health facility. I was in Baltimore, Maryland for you know, six years. I always envisioned myself working in mental health, you know, all throughout undergrad and even my internship. However, when I got out of internship, I really needed a job. 
I really needed to work. And so that's what brought me to Indiana. And I've been here ever since. Um, and my work is primarily through the Medicaid waiver. <clears throat> Never thought I would work with kids, but I work with a whole bunch of different aged folks and, and I love it. So that's a little bit about me. I might have missed some fine details, but that's a great place to start. <laughs> uh, well, when you were describing all your hobbies, uh, I was thinking very Hufflepuff-esque, like very diverse, <clears throat> excuse me, very, um, yeah, different different types of things. But I, I actually did the opposite. I was never interested in mental health. Also did my internship in a state hospital and since then have gravitated towards mental health. So I thought that was interesting while you were talking. But you know so, what the interesting thing is, is that mental health, you know, and that's one of the things that I've learned about my own practice and like the way that I conceptualize my clinical work. And also when I'm working with students, it's like, I really hate populations. I mean, mm. I understand the stru quote structure of it, especially at the academia level, but you know what? Mental health is everywhere. And yeah. music therapy, it's just, it's more important for me to learn about music therapy in ways that I understand how the music works, how the music functions how the music works with our body and our mind, and then apply that with everybody, as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know what I'm saying? Even though we so talk, we, we both did it. Like I worked in mental health, but you know, and it's such a tough habit to break, but that's just a little morning spiel. We've got our hot drinks. Okay. I can be yeah. myself. Okay. We're still on the tea. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So even the language, like using the word population, um, has become, I'm going to say like a questionable term, right? There's people who are just kind of use it because it's what we know and it's familiar, but there's people who are like, hmm, doesn't really feel good, kind of feels a little icky. I personally haven't had a, found a word that I can use and people understand what I'm saying to use instead of population. Have you like experienced any language shift or is it still? Well, when I was contracting, um, you know, the language I used was client, my clients. Yeah. So the people that, you know, cause my clients were people who paid me, they were my mm -hmm. boss. Yeah. Um, and I still don't have an aversion to client. However, um, the work I've been doing for the last couple of years, and also in the state of Indiana, just the Medicaid waiver in general, uh, the state has really been trying to make progressive moves in the way of having more person-centered language, <clears throat> excuse me, person-centered documentation, and more people having more purpose, intent, and voice in their meetings, in their, uh, in their support plans and what have you. Not that they shouldn't have had that before, but it's something that's starting to show up in the documentation. So also where I work, uh, 
we are very person-centered. And so the language that we use is person-supported. So Mm -hmm. the person that I support, the person on my caseload, as opposed to the client that I'm treating. Because I think that with connotations and syntax, you know, if you really want to dig deep into words, then if you're treating someone, then that's more of a, I guess, medical model of seeking change. However, (laughs) I think that, you know, a lot of the work we do, we don't necessarily need our clinical work to focus on changing something about a person as opposed to supporting who they are and what they want to achieve and how we can have a collaborative experience with that us -hmm. supporting them and then the music as well so if we talk about my clinical work i will say person supported however i do uh take identity first language into my work when the person has specified it. So if if the person, you know, prefers identity first language, I am autistic, then 100% absolutely, because that's still person centered, right? Mm. It's what they want. I vibe with it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I love that. So the, the person or the people I support. Um, yeah, because I also use client. Um, most of my caseload is students in school. And so I sometimes say student, but then I feel that gives a confusing image of what it is I do because they are students, but they are not my students. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. I was, uh, yes. Okay. On the zoom, I, you can see a clap over here. (laughs) I also, um, you know, yeah, I love that you brought up the word my because it has a possession to it. Oh, yes. You know, because right. if someone's like my caseload and, you know, well, my two o'clock session is going to be a couple of minutes late. It's not mine. Mm. Uh, it actually belongs to the person. And in fact, it belongs to us, you know, depending on how, what, what, what your practice looks like or how your therapeutic approach looks or how your model is, mm-hmm. which I think you could argue that. I think anybody could argue if it's their session versus our session. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, my theory and my approach is that it belongs to them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's worth chewing on reflecting the language that we use again, you know, client, patient, student, using the word, my caseload, um, Mm. and also some things of, oh, I have to do a session at four. I get to do a session at four with this person that I support and Mm. it, but it's definitely something that takes some practice. And then, you know, if you vibe with it, then sometimes you check yourself saying, oh, well, that is not my client. Oh, it's just someone I work with or someone that comes to the office and we do music together. There's so many different ways to to spin it. It's just Mm -hmm. finding what works for you and I think helps you and the people that you support feel comfortable. And the more 
say that they can have in it, I think, is is the gold. I was going to say the cheese, but that did not <laughs> fit at all with... <laughs> I get it. I get where they, you're going. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it's making me think uh, two, two things. I'll try to remember them both as I start talking. One of them, I have a particular... Oh, here I go. Here I go. I work with a particular student. And she has a nurse with her at all times. And I find that very often the nurse will answer for her. The nurse will speak for her. The nurse will get to something before the student is able to. And so often I'm you know, positioning my body towards the student. I am looking only at her. I'm asking her questions. And even, you know, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do next? What are we going to do in music? And either the nurse will chime in. And I'm like, sorry, this isn't your time. <laughs> but, or the student will say, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? And I always say, well, this is your music time, right? This is your time. I am here for you. So that's the first thing that, that stuck in my mind. The next one is if I'm wondering if the people I work with ever want the ownership of saying, Trisha is my music therapist. I wonder what that feels like to them. Um, if that's a good, like a good feeling to know, like I have a music therapist and they work with me and, you know, there might be other music therapists running around, but this one is mine and they're the one I'm comfortable with. Or I wonder if that possessive language is, um, is uncomfortable for them too. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad. You know what? I think that would be a great opportunity to hear from someone yeah. who receives music therapy support. Totally. And, you know, because I hate to speak about something that I haven't experienced myself. I haven't had the pleasure. You know, I've always, um, I, I have this dream of, you know, having the time and the money and the bandwidth to do some guided imagery. Mm -hmm. It's one of my dreams, but it's just not something that I've been able to swing. I was lucky, however, to get the level one music and imagery training from St. Mary of the Woods. Highly recommend, highly recommend. Um, but then the other uh, scenario, the scenario that you shared, um, <laughs> I had a similar, I was writing some notes about some things that I, I could bring up that I thought would be helpful. Um, not just for specifically Medicaid waiver work, but just in what we do as clinicians in general. Um, I told a couple of my friends that I would be meeting with you and talking with you and they said, oh, I love that podcast. It's so great. Yes. So amazing. <laughs> We've all got it bookmarked on our computers. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've also listened to every page. Um, and so it's fangirling over here. Thank you. But additionally, you know, I asked some of my friends, like, well, what, what is something that, you know, you would like to hear a little bit more about? And I've got mm -hmm. some feedback specifically about Medicaid waiver yeah. and some of the work that I've done and some of the types of support that I provide. And so I wrote a note that was similar to your scenario about focusing on that student that you're working with and then the nurse in the back constantly chiming in mm. over prompting kind of taking away 
and I don't like to use taking away because that person is coming from a place of true helpful intention. Yeah. However, intentions don't necessarily influence the impact. Mm. And that is something that can be, I've noticed intent versus impact, not only like in my clinical work, but in my friendships, in my relationships with colleagues. Um, it's a, it's a DEI issue, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, tidbit to chew on. So the intent versus the impact, I know that some caregivers and parents and support staff, uh, paras, student aides, they want so much to be helpful and it's coming from a good place of intention. Mm -hmm. However, the impact, we see that, right? We've all seen it. Um, So my response to that is, as I think that it's really, most music therapists have huge hearts, super empathic, super kind, big hearts again. So sometimes conflict and those uncomfortable situations can be challenging for us. But I think that when those situations arise, I think we have a real opportunity to not be afraid of conflict or discomfort, but to sit with it and reflect on it. You know, not necessarily saying that go to this nurse and say, well, I'm uncomfortable with this because we still need to maintain our boundaries and our professionalism. But I think it's something that if it's something that is uncomfortable and creates a conflict, I would always go to a supervisor, Mm -hmm. someone who potentially has experience with the environment or perhaps the school um something like that but also on the other hand i was a contractor for three and a half years and i couldn't afford supervision when i first started out so i didn't have anyone to talk to and that's when you needed it the most (laughs) exactly and so another another barrier and equitable issue in the field of music therapy period but take a drink of my coffee on that (laughs) same um for anyone who doesn't know i'm i was in the same boat i was contracted for many years and i'm now employed so i relate to what you're saying (laughs) yes absolutely but i you know i think that there are people that for one reason or another do not have access to a supervisor and that's frustrating it's challenging it's annoying uh so i think that and again it's so hard to give a concrete answer right Mm -hmm. because it depends on the person it depends on the scenario it depends on the person you're supporting but i do think the ultimate question is what is best for this person that I'm supporting. Yeah. Is it is it something that would affect our rapport, our relationship? Is it something that would affect their success? 
with their music therapy support. Um, that's the most important thing. Always, always, always. Even if there is an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable conversation with that staff member or that support professional, because uncomfortable moments are gonna happen and conflict mm -hmm. is gonna happen. But sometimes it's necessary because yes, we're afraid of it. Yes, we're uncomfortable with it, but it's also a huge opportunity to learn and to grow yes. and to grow from that. And just, you know, I think that we can surprise ourselves with how, how well we can keep ourselves composed and calm and sensitive and caring when, when, conflict arises. I think that mm -hmm. we can surprise ourselves. So I had told you that my phrase is to be comfortable being brave. Yes. And it's not easy. It's easier said than done, but. Yeah, totally. And my, my next thought is the more often you do that, the theoretically, the more comfortable you will be doing it. Like the more ways you've tried it, the more like you're used to that sensation in your body of the discomfort and staying calm. Mm -hmm. um, not that we should just all throw ourselves into the fire all the time for the sake of it, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. try it. Yeah, because you know, your bandwidth can only handle so much, right? Some mm -hmm. days, uh, you know, like if you're if you're doing yoga or stretching, you know, one side might be a little tighter than the other. That's how I look at my bandwidth from day to day. You know, one mm -hmm. day I might feel a little tighter on the left side than I do on the right. And you know what? That's just how my body and that's just how my wellness is going to present that day. Yeah. And I recognize that and I honor it and I just do what I can with what I have. But another thing that I think is learned from surviving those first couple of years as a clinician <laughs> and kind of, and being alone and being dropped off the side of the earth. Not to say that I didn't have support, but I had to actively seek that out. And yeah. as a new professional, that's really scary. And I think that, you know, having more free opportunities would have been, helpful but coulda woulda shoulda mm -hmm. it's not the way that yeah but anyways another thing that i had thought about because you brought up that amazing example of conflict i also had another potential conflict that has the potential to grow um which happens a lot in the medicaid waiver world so I don't know how familiar you are with the Medicaid waiver. Well, I did my undergrad in Ohio and I never learned about it. Awesome. Never. Awesome. <laughs> love awesome. that for us. I love it. And then one of my colleagues who also works in the waiver, I asked her, I was like, well, what, what's one thing that you would have liked to have known about the waiver that you didn't when you started? Mm. And she had similar feedback. She said that at, at her um in her academic program she had asked about the waiver and they're like oh well we're not a waiver state so we're not going to talk about it oh right because you're likely really to stay there for your entire life <laughs> uh, which is so frustrating because 
the Medicaid waiver states, there are quite a few, um, but I can only speak from my experiences in Indiana. Jobs are all over the place. I mean, I had some, uh, I have some friends, uh, Shelby Weaver and Mason Stricker, who they were former students of mine, practicum and interns, and they started their own business, uh, Unlock Music Therapy. They just started their business earlier this year. And they already put a call this week to hire a full-time contractor. That's awesome. It's phenomenal, right? Goes to show how bustling the Medicaid waiver is. How many people are looking for a music therapist to, to work with them and support them and help them reach their dreams and their goals. And like I said earlier, when I finished my internship, I really needed a job. I was broke. So I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I was just like, oh, well, I want, I need to work. I need to transition. I need to make money. I want to start, you know, my music therapy career, not just for money, but because, you know, you finish internship, you pass your boards and you're like, I'm so excited to do the music therapy thing. Mm -hmm. So I was ready to do the thing. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So there's, <laughs> I freaking no clue. Like there's so many intricacies about the Medicaid waiver that are just music therapy, clinical ship aside. There's things, there's language and things to understand, like the basically the PCISP, which is a person, a person centered, it's like an individualized support plan mm -hmm. that is like, it could be hundreds of pages. This document has everything you need to know in it. Every person that receives waiver support has this plan. Their case manager draws it up. And when a person is referred to music therapy, they've actually never met in most cases have never met the music therapy provider or the specific music therapist. Mm -hmm. So they receive a pick list of different businesses. They say, Hey, they say to their case manager, Hey, I want to try music therapy. And so they are given a list. Of course, when they're given this list, they have informed choice so they can call, they can email, they can visit mm -hmm. websites, what have you. Um, and then inquire further. But in my experience, most people don't do that. And not in, again, intent with a poor intention. They're just so excited about mm -hmm. music therapy for their child. And they're like, I just, okay, I pick this one. Yeah. And they go with it. And then the referral process starts. And then, you know, you meet the person you're going to support and the family, see if it's a good choice, work out scheduling, the music therapy thing. And those things are pretty cut and dry, right? But what doesn't, what we don't learn are things like budgeting. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> How much budget do I actually need in the Medicaid waiver to provide weekly support to this person, for this person? Yeah. So one unit is 15 minutes and it's also confusing because case managers work in hours and then music therapists will work in units <laughs> it's fun super fun stuff yeah so if a person is going to have 
for an hour of music therapy support a week, you would think that four hours a month is ideal, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Maybe when you're coming in the Medicaid waiver for the first time, you think potentially that's enough. Well, it's not. (laughs) And the reason why it's not is because, you know, there's a treatment plan or a support plan, a music therapy support plan that's that's done annually, could take a couple hours. Quarterly meetings every three months, you attend the meeting to update the team and be there with that person to touch base about services. Hmm. There's uh, additional, um, so meetings, reporting, support plans, the assessment. And then to keep things fresh, you might want to have, you know, some time to plan something. I mean, you know, you could just go in there willy nilly, but you might want to have some extra budget. So, you know, if you're seeing, I for me personally, I would recommend anywhere from between 24 to 30 units a month if someone's going to have hourly sessions. Yeah. And then just and just kind of conceptual conceptualizing that so on and so forth for someone who has 30 minute sessions or 45 minute sessions. That's one of the biggest questions that I have received from anybody that is coming into the Medicaid waiver is what is a budget? How does it work? How do I understand it? And how do I find something to track my billing and my units in a way that works for me? And I think that some, I think it's, that's something that is so personalized and individualized. What's worked for me is, so the budget always comes out on this document called the NOA, the notice of action. So the case manager will send that to you directly, whether you're in whether you're contracting or an employee, um, some businesses have a quality assurance specialist or some type of person in that financial role, and they will receive that notice of action, that NOA, that budget, but you will always have access to that and see for yourself. Okay. These are how many hours I have for the year. Might have to do a little math because the case managers use hours and the therapists use units, but we we can at least count to eight right we're musicians we got this okay okay we can do it but i think that you know we all can have that information and then pull from that information what has worked for me is to use an excel sheet and to just or you know organizing it monthly or I look every other week. So every two weeks I look at, you know, where my budgets are at, how much do I have allotted for the month? How much uh, this person has one more month left in their plan year. And then when the plan year is over, the budget's over Mm -hmm. and then their plan year renews and the budget is renewed. So if you don't lose your budget, you lose it. And we are all struggling financially, mentally, what have you. I feel like we're all struggling coming out of this, coming out of this coronavirus or is coming out of it even a word? I mean, damn, I'm just over it. (laughs) 
drink take a drink of coffee on that one yeah 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 but yeah so that's a little bit of info about the waiver and i i did have a link because i i saw that you like had links yeah totally on your page and stuff so i have a couple of links that i can share with you but Love that. um I'll put yeah. them in the show notes. Well, what you're saying, so I have not worked with the waiver, um, but I, again, I've worked as an independent contractor. And so what you're saying, I think is very transferable, <clears throat> excuse me, to the contracting experience. So for anyone who's not in a waiver state, but has, or plans to take a job as the contractor, um, this whole thing about budgeting your time and planning for your time is very transferable because you might, again, work with a client an hour a week, but you also have that planning, you have meetings, you have travel time, you have um, probably to have your own instruments and like maintain all that stuff. And so when you get your hourly rate to work with someone as an independent contractor, you really need to factor all those things into what your rate is uh, and not underspell yourself to say, oh yeah, like that's a really nice number to to get paid for an hour of work, we'll say, but that hour of work is probably an hour with the client, and then like 30 to 60 minutes minimum a week, I would say for all of the, the backend administrative stuff that goes into it. And then you factor that by how many people you work with each week. Um, yeah. And in that whole spiel, I didn't use any of the language that we talked about earlier because I was just rolling, but I, I acknowledge that and we'll <laughs> will evaluate myself in turn. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really glad you shared that because um, that's all information I didn't know about. I've heard people kind of talk snippets back and forth about waiver stuff and I didn't really, you know, I don't really know what, what it is, but. Um, yeah, you know, the waiver is just, I think it's a really, there are, there are loopholes, right? There are, there are things that we're hoping will change because Unfortunately, um, not a surprise, music therapy is the only support service, and I could be speaking out of turn, but I feel like this is correct. Music therapy is currently the only service that has not received an increase in rate. Oh, love that. Which us. is extremely frustrating. And also myself as having received my master's degree, absolutely zero increase in in yeah. pay rate because of my education if i was contracting i absolutely um but i've been in my employee position um for for however long but regardless of that um there are no rate increases it's been 1078 a unit mm -hmm. ever since i came on started working in the waiver and what uh and that's not much it's not, <laughs> for your time yeah and that's and that's why this conversation about knowing your worth setting your rates budgeting your time it is so important because setting up that expectation and that realization upon the start of your clinical work the more information you have and the more that you know the less likely you are to burn out I, I'm sorry, I don't know what other way to spin it because mm -hmm. it's just in, you know, I think that, gosh, 
that's one another misconception is what is a full-time music therapist well you know it's not seeing 40 clients a week or you're not going to support 40 people a week it's likely anywhere between 21 and 25 because of that extra time Mm -hmm. and you know and i just i can't say enough how important i think it is for people to learn about their worth and then learn about what they can ask for because we don't really learn about it but Mm -hmm. it's good that we're talking about it from the horse's mouth 100 percent. oh yeah but yeah the waiver it's just it's so great because you know if someone if someone has a diagnosis um you know from a doctor because a doctor has to you know write a letter what have you and submit it to the state and then they can have these services and it could be music therapy, equine therapy, recreational therapy, occupational therapy. They can have day programming, um, respite care for uh, the family and for the person supported. And there's even, um, and I can't remember the top of, off the top of my head, um, it might be respite, but there's, oh, respite and then there's something called pack services so respite i believe respite is more for the family so Mm -hmm. like a respite provider might come and watch billy uh, for a couple of hours while mom and dad can go on a date Mm -hmm. i think that's awesome yeah and then there's pack services and you know they, they might they this person might be working on you know uh ambulating with their walker so the pack provider might like help take them out to the mall for a couple minutes and then hey we're gonna we're gonna meet your occupational therapist at the mall let's i'll take you i'll transport you there's Mm -hmm. so many different things i mean there are different waivers but that's nitty-gritty that if anybody has questions about that we can talk about it more but yeah the waiver world is a very fun interesting place to be in yeah it's it's great doing this i get to hear lots of different ways people have jobs in music therapy and their experiences with that. And it's great to know that there are lots of avenues when sometimes it can feel really limiting. Um, yeah, but it is like every time you switch or things change around you and you have to adjust to, we'll say where the funding is coming from. Like there's a lot to learn every single time. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I had a client, a client I had, okay. I work with a person (laughs) I support actually a group of individuals um, that were receiving funding through a grant. And I found out last week that their funding actually ran out in February um, ah. and no one wanted to inform me about that. Oh, so, no. Yeah. It's too bad when those kinds of things happen. Um, that is. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's great when you get those things. It's like, yes, we can provide services through this avenue. This is amazing. Um, but then there's hairy stuff that happens in the background and a lot to adjust to. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the hair. I'm here for the hairy stuff though. You know, (laughs) this podcast is sponsored by the music therapy podcast collective, also known as MTPC where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. All of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply, 
model, where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet to determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice. You can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at mtpc's website mtpodcastcollective.com make sure you also get on the mtpc newsletter for 10% off your first pod course purchase and don't forget to check out personal development is professional development our pod course which is currently on sale for one more week until June 21st. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on a lot of the language we discussed today. Um, if you feel so inclined, take a screenshot of you listening to this episode, tag me online at Music Therapy Chronicles and leave me your thoughts or your feedback or language that you use and find um, informative and clear and successful in translation, if that makes sense. Uh, I know, like I said, I use the word intervention in my rapid fire because I find that it makes that question really clear for most of the people on the show. And yeah, I'm totally down to change that. <laughs> but we, I think we all need to be on board, right, to get some of our language a little bit shifted. Um, that part of this conversation reminded me a lot of talking to the Creative Dementia Collective and um, yeah, language in that episode. Another thing I want to mention real quickly is we touched on supervision in this episode and its importance, but also the fact that, especially as new professionals, it can be really challenging to find and afford supervision. So there are lots of amazing supervision, peer supervision types of communities out there that you can join. Of course, they're not free, but they are a great way to be surrounded by and supported by other music therapists and kind of get that peer supervision setting. Uh, there's also the peer support network, which to my knowledge, is still a free resource for people to join, um, go to group calls, get that peer support, that peer uh, peer supervision style uh, interaction. So I will have that linked in the show notes as well. I didn't get to mention it in this conversation because we had lots of other cool stuff to say, but I did want to mention it here and also link it in the show notes. And lastly, if you learn something about the Medicaid waiver and how that works and how you can or maybe should bill and plan for that, I, I hope you got a lot out of that too, because I definitely did. And it's not something that directly applies to me, but is super good information to know and definitely something I will keep in mind. And just like I said, is very transferable information to anyone who works in a capacity where you need to bill and budget your time. Um for sure. So thank you again for tuning into today's episode. Don't miss part two next week where we're going to be talking more about trauma-informed care.
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self-care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already and follow us on social media for just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one.